Welcome back to the 1009 Podcast. It's the dynamic duo here again for you. Um, Jacob's doing some uh, cuffed boy shit tonight. Uh, it is Valentine's Day, in case you were wondering. Uh, I'm. We got to do it tonight. I'm flying out to Hawaii tomorrow. A little vacation. Uh, Grayson is solo dolo tonight. Uh, and then Seth is the cuffed man in this. So he's taken tonight. Yeah. Uh, Seth, married man. Uh, that's fine. He admits to it at least. Uh, Jacob in denial, but uh, drove down for some nice hand holding tonight, so he will not be uh, <laughs> on the podcast, unfortunately. But uh, Bailey flying to his boss slash girlfriend, and yeah. uh, I have no excuse. So here I am. <laughs> uh, Grayson, Grayson has a love of sports, so that's that's all we can. They don't love me back. Yeah, and. I don't love some of your teams either, but we'll get into that later. Um, sadly, the football season's over. Uh, Super Bowl was Sunday, obviously. The Chiefs beat the Eagles in, I'd say, a classic. It was a great game. Um, some questionable calls there at the end, but ultimately, I think, by the rule, it was the right call, but a terrible call at the moment. And I think you know what that is by now. <laughs> yeah, I think the NBA does a lot of things well. We may not know it because their viewership isn't, obviously touching the NFL or honestly college football. But uh, if you watch a late NBA playoff game, particularly in the later rounds, you will see things called less and less for this exact reason, because they've established for years now that context matters. And it takes a lot more to get a whistle in these late playoff games. Uh, Now they have a separate issue with every single play being reviewed for the last 90 seconds of the game, which is why the last two minutes of NBA playoff games take 25 minutes. Uh, but they do ultimately 99% of the time get those review calls right, as annoying as it is. And in this case, this was just, like you said, letter of the rule, sure. In this spot, when you let Bradbury get away with it for four hours at that point, there was one second quarter that was a notable miss by the officiating crew, which then signals we're letting you play. And they let him play for 58 and a half minutes. Yeah. And then decided to go byline by byline in the rule book, which resulted in uh, a very big penalty for Kansas City. Reset the sticks. They were playing for three anyway. I believe yeah, they would have had a fourth the, and eight. The score wouldn't have been affected, but no. the time of possession for the Eagles obviously got affected a lot because after right. the, Eagle, the Chiefs kicked the field goal, they had 11 seconds left and then probably one of the worst Hail Mary attempts we've ever saw, which got overlooked so much because right. they, they won. I mean – I think in Hertz's defense, I think it was one of those things you're putting so much on it, it just didn't come out right, simply. Yeah. Because he's, he's got an arm bigger than that. Yeah. Oh, We've seen some interesting Hail Mary throws this year. Go back to our interview with Chase Bryce talking about the one where he literally <laughs> threw it perpendicular to the sky. Um, right. A little bank shot off yeah. uh, a receiver tipping it down to a thankfully open receiver in his case. Uh, not true for Philadelphia. I, uh, I mean, Philly sports in general – Real quick, I mean, Bad we had we had year. the Phillies and the love uh, Philadelphia Union, their MLS team, lose titles on the same exact day, less than three months ago. I'm pretty sure their USFL team lost the their championship game too. Probably like, you did. can go down a list and like a it's, bunch of yeah. their teams lost. Lots of uh, heartbreak in Philadelphia. Probably two tons of grease used on light poles for no reason, uh, as there was probably not. A lot of at least happy fanfare out in the streets of Philadelphia after this game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is really back-to-back years where a big defensive holding call after a pretty loose 
officiated game. Uh, we saw the Rams last year get the benefit of the doubt. Logan Wilson called for a defensive holding on Cooper Cup in the late stages of that game yeah. that turned a third and goal into a first and goal. And I'd honestly forgot about it, uh, but a Bengals fan mentioned it to me Monday morning saying that, uh, you know, go back and look at that play. It was very, very similar, um, you know, very, very lenient on calls. And then you get in a huge spot like that and you see Longer on the field, which again, correct call, but you kind of go back to that time and place situationally. Do you really need that there? Um, and again, the Chiefs were going to get at least three points, but uh, it robbed Jalen Hurts of about a minute 40 to hash yep. some sort of game-tying drive, game-winning drive potentially, if he finds A.J. Brown deep again. So I, I think from a neutral fan standpoint, it was disappointing only in that we were deprived of a Jalen Hurts shot to win the game. So, um, But like you said, really, really good game. I think we've been blessed with the Super Bowls recently. Uh, last year and this year come to mind pretty quick as very, very close games down to the wire. I mean, Eagles up at halftime by 10, which is a lead that only one team had ever blown in the Super Bowl. So certainly uh, that game got tight pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall great game, um, you know, ending aside, I think that, you know, 38-35 was going to be the score. We just didn't, again, get to see that Eagles offense one more time. Yeah. Um. Kind of getting more into the game. I mean, it started off pretty hot. Both teams scored on their first drive. And then the Eagles just ate the time of possession for the rest of the first half. I'm pretty sure at one point it was like 20-something to 8 or something right. stupid like yeah. that. Like it they flashed on the screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, because obviously Eagles, they're one of the best rushing teams out there. And at one point they were 6-for-6 six six on any like third down and two and fourth down and two. They were 6-for-6 six six on those plays. Like. You weren't stopping them. Um, I mean, it, Jalen Hurts had 300 yards passing, which I don't think a lot of people saw. He he was the leading rusher for the Eagles, too, so he was just out there balling. Um, and Mahomes' stats don't look great, but he was 21 for 27, but only 187 yards or 82 yards because he had no time of possession. Like, they played really well, except for the field being an abomination, but that's a different we'll, – we'll get that to in a little bit, but – I mean, it was just a solid game all around. I mean, because we saw the Chiefs come back out in the second half and just score on every single drive. They made some sort of adjustment, especially with those motion plays where get a guy coming out from the outside and then just run a out route back. And they, the Eagles were just going the complete opposite way, and they were wide open. We saw the Chiefs do that on back-to-back drives, scoring on either end. So um, that's why Andy Reid and all the, their coaches, they get paid the big bucks. Right, and yeah, just to start with the uh, the play style you mentioned, they, they actually took a page out of uh, Doug Peterson's book because they used it against the Eagles in week four, I believe it was, the Jaguars did, uh, where they fake eject sweep, forced the Eagles to hand off coverage, and then uh, they come out of it, and there's a guy just wide open in the end zone. It worked with Kadarius Toney initially, and then, like you mentioned, next drive down, the rookie Sky Moore with his, I believe, first touchdown of the season. Uh, no bigger yep. spot for it. Put them up eight at that point, about midway through the fourth quarter. Um, and like you said, they scored touchdowns on every drive in the second half before kicking the go-ahead but ultimately game-winning field goal, which is something I'm painfully aware of as a Chargers fan. They were not the first team to do that in the playoffs. Uh, they didn't score as many in the second half, but uh, yeah, points every drive, which was huge. Uh, if you had told really anyone with you know moderate awareness of 
the year in the league so far that a team in the Super Bowl passed for 302 and a team ran for 158. Yeah. No one's getting that. No one's getting that guess right. There's just not. No. Uh, I mean, this is. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Mahomes throwing for under 200, and then Hurts eclipsing 300. That's just not something that yeah. anyone saw coming. And Jalen, when Jalen was responsible for all the touchdowns for the Eagles, whether it was three on the board rushing, or the deep ball to AJ Brown, I mean, he was their whole offense. Uh, Chiefs side, I mean, same thing. Travis Kelsey or uh, Patrick Mahomes had three touchdowns. Tony Skymore and Travis Kelsey, of course, I said that. Uh, pretty sure on the last podcast that if um, Travis Kelsey scores, Chiefs are going to win. I mean, it was proven all year this year, and then my boy Pacheco finally got in the end zone for me. So he hit me a nice little prop bet for that. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts just balled out. And I think it's not necessarily a coming out party, but it was a I'm for real. I'm here. Like, you Everybody was waiting for waiting for that game to him to kind of play bad, but he's here. He's a good quarterback. Right, and I think I may have jumped the gun a couple weeks ago with you and Jacob putting him in the top five, but after a performance like this, it's tough yeah. not to put him in that conversation. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, as you get later in the playoffs, there's less opportunities to see the rest of the quarterbacks in that company. Um, but, you know, we saw Mahomes stake his claim to number one as he has all year uh did win the mvp he's the first mvp to win a super bowl breaking a i believe nine qb stretch uh historically yeah, and, and the super bowl mvp he won both of them right uh and so that was obviously just a historical trend that was very very odd and finally uh ended sunday night and i mean just you mentioned third down Eagles were 11 of 18 on third down and kansas city was four of eight i mean obviously Percentage-wise, Eagles were better, but the fact they were forced into 18 third downs uh, I think was big. They settled for several field goals as well. But, I mean, honestly, talking about Hurts getting off the hook for the Hail Mary, he Jameis Winston and bowled a football 15 yeah. yards down the field that Nick yeah. scooped and took back. I mean, that was horrible. That was, bad. Horrible. <laughs> that was That's very, very people bad. People were expecting. Right, and I think that it's fair to kind of compartmentalize that as a random fluke play when you look at the body of work that Hurts put in throughout the entire game. But that was a terrible play. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> quick math, they lost by three. That mattered a lot because yeah. they could have driven down the field and gone up two, maybe three scores going into the half and before that happened. I think they got away with another one. That was close. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Justin Ross. <laughs> it, what the play we were talking about, I think it was, what, two Miles Sanders or Byron Scott? One of the two. Yeah. Made the catch. Got two or three feet down, but I guess didn't make a football move. Who right. knows what a football move is these days? No. Uh, he dropped it. Chief scoop and scored. They reviewed it. Called incompletion. We've seen it before. I believe Justin Ross was incompletion. I'll take that to my deathbed. But. There's a couple plays in there that, I mean, momentum almost swung really quickly if that would have went into. Right. That would have been devastating uh, for Philadelphia. They avoided disaster there, but unfortunately, that defense just was not able to get a stop. And, um, I mean, I, there's always someone to blame, whether it's worthwhile to actually get into that or not. I don't know. It's just kind of the nature of how we look at sports now. Uh, it's always got to be someone's fault. Uh, yeah. you know, I don't think it's James Bradbury's fault. They were going to kick field goal anyway. Um, all that penalty did, again, one that he got away with blatantly in the second quarter, I believe. And throughout the game, there was contact. But, yeah. you know, like I mentioned with the NBA comparison, 
they'll let you play in these spots. Just the difference to the NBA is they continue to let you play, not just, okay, now that there's you know under two minutes left in the Super Bowl, we're going to, again, go byline by byline and just start calling everything. Uh, but, I mean, I, the best officiated game is the one you don't leave talking about the officiating at all. And, yeah. unfortunately, this Outside is – Outside of that, it was a good – it, it was very yeah. well. Yeah, I forget who tweeted it. Someone said I literally mentioned to my, you know, company watching the game. It's a really well officiated game, and like two plays later, he said that unfolded. So yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, nine total flags in the game. That's not a lot. Forty-seven yards and penalties. That's really not a lot. Uh, and I think most of them were just like procedural. There's a couple yeah. of Philly delay games, which were inexplicable. Yeah. I think it's two and two drives or something like that. Just odd, uh, but. Yeah, I, I think that the Philly offense, obviously, you score 35 in really any game you expect to win. But, uh, you know, even as my Chargers found out, you can't be complete for a half and then, you know, have the defense sag and the offense sag simultaneously because, you know, teams like Kansas City, surely, and I mean, even Jacksonville, with their good offense, but not anywhere close to Kansas City, uh, you will get beat. So you got to yeah. play two halves of football. And uh, I think the Chiefs did a better job of that. So I think that, you know, outplayed for large parts of the game. But I think ultimately the better team did win Sunday night. Yeah. I don't know why, but I don't know if it was like, because, I mean, we had a watch party, but it wasn't a big watch party. I mean, because we did something big for like a Super Bowl board. But like, to me, the vibe was weird going into the game. I don't know what it was, but I like yeah. This is a Super Bowl, but it doesn't feel like a Super Bowl. I don't, I don't know. It was just, it was just weird to me. But, ah, great game. <laughs> and right, do absolutely. we want to get into the field? Yeah, Sodgate was uh was something because that field sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it I, always sucks. Any yeah. game played in that stadium with the like the movable grass, like the two or three times Clemson has played there, the field has right. been terrible. We have had guys slip yeah. and sliding around. Michigan and TCU playing there this year. There are guys slipping all over the place too. So like, yeah, I don't know what it is that happens in there. If there's some sort of like humidity or something, dry heat, I don't know. But like, it after and after the halftime show, it got even worse. Right, and you know, I it cost them eight hundred thousand dollars to put all this together. They grew the grass for two years. They were rolling it out to get sunlight periodically in the build-up to the game. So, I mean, it's not a lack of preparation. I think it's just acknowledging that you can be as careful as you want to, as meticulous as you need, feel like you need to be. It's just not an effective playing surface conducive to football. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, people are saying that – I think largely Sod gets a joke, but there was somebody that went in the All-22 and dug around, and I think it affected the Eagles more technically on, like, a per-incident basis. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I think the surface was – They're playing on the same field. like. Right, the grass. That's the only equal part get, of the yeah. game, like. Right, so I think that again, largely Sodgate, just a joke. Uh, yeah. You know, NFL fans looking for something to uh, roast Goodell over, and you know, oftentimes he delivers. So I think this is the latest iteration of that. But they got to figure something out with the yeah. field thing, because that again, you don't want to hear about officiating. You really don't want to hear about the field. Yeah, that's ever. the last thing you should hear about. No, ever. And again, it's not a lack of hard work. I think it's just a lack of. I just, it's just not. It doesn't work. You it's can got, do anything. They treat yeah. it's treated like grass, like royalty for two years. It's just not, again, conducive to what they're trying to do on top of it. And that's yeah. just the whole issue. 
it's got to be something where like the water vapors get trapped or something because I ate shit. <laughs> like I was running because my our senior year when we were playing at Ohio State, I was running on the sideline to do something and at my well. I just got bad feet anyway, but like I tripped and I just straight up slid instead of yeah. like stopping and like, and I just had a grass stain all down my shirt. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is way too slick out here. So it's something with that Arizona field just and stuff like, I think it's something with the taking it in, bringing it out, taking it in, bringing it out, changes things up. But I mean, in the end, it, it affected both teams. So you can't really complain about it. Right. No. And I think that. A lot of the complaints were just on behalf of both teams, not just uh, not just one. Uh, something interesting, just glancing at headlines throughout morning talk shows yesterday morning and a little bit into today. Uh, would you describe this run the Chiefs are on as a dynasty? Yeah. Five straight AFC championship games, two Super Bowls in those five years. And been to another. Yes, three appearances. Yeah. Two titles in five years. I know the whole saying is three and five, but I, I yeah, it's the modern, it's a modern day dynasty. I mean, it's yeah. almost on the same level as like Patriots, to be honest. Right. I mean, I think as far as the sport of football as a whole, Nick Saban's the gold standard, and he, you know, there were years where they went one or two years without one. Uh, they won one, I believe, two years ago. You know, after we kind of written off the, the dynasty as a whole is dead, he comes back the very next year and wins one. So uh, I think that while that one may be on its last legs, uh, the longevity of it and the fact that he still, I don't believe, has had a senior class graduate without a championship, uh, I think it's fair to kind of bring that into the Chiefs question in that that's two in five years. You know, they had a beat-up O-line, and uh, I think Mahomes has also hobbled a bit in that ugly Tampa loss several yeah, years ago. year or two. Right. Uh, so a lot of external factors there that affected the game, unfortunately. But, um, I mean, that's – you lose the greatest quarterback of all time. Other than that, you go to two more and you win both. Uh, I think that's – yeah, that's right there. I really do think it is. Um, and as far as the ceiling only being two titles – but the floor being the semifinals of the sport, I think is really impressive too, as much yeah. as I may hate it. Uh, I think it's, I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but I wouldn't argue too intensely if you do call it that. I think it was Nick Wright that's been leading that charge on social media um, and with his show as well. So I think that's um, that's fair. It's crazy to think, but I think it's fair. Here's another, you going on dynasty talks and all that. Is Patrick Mahomes already a Hall of Famer? No, I, I think that this stretch MVPs, in a career, two Super Bowls. Right. They, they've I, I given a lot that, of people a lot less positions in the Hall of Fame. Right, but I think it's the fact that he just hasn't played longer than those five years. I yeah. think if you have this stretch within a seven- to eight-year career, absolutely. And I think that longevity has been an issue recently with Andrew Luck's eligibility for the Hall of Fame. Where do you put him? Obviously, he doesn't yeah. have the postseason success, but he was an excellent quarterback. Top-rated recruit, number one overall pick. That. I think we all agree that we don't think he is, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, and it's just it's tough because you know that player had yeah. the traits and the ability to do so. Uh, Luke Kuechly is another name that comes to mind on the other side of the ball. But I just That's think my that – Yeah, I mean, I, it's just tough for me. And again, if Mahomes plays 10 years and this is as good as he gets, oh, yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. he's the shoe-in. Uh, but I think just longevity – 
his career only being five years to this point, as impressive as it's been, honestly, the best start to a career ever. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we do need to see just pure games um, yeah. out of him. But I don't. He's definitely he on the track for it. Oh yeah, like I said, <laughs> that may be the best five-year stretch by any NFL quarterback to start a career. So I think that he is well on his way. I mean, he's got two Brady. Very, 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 very far in the distance. But if anyone's going to catch him, I, you got to say Mahomes. Oh, he's the only one. I mean, right. So I, I think. I mean, Stafford's old. Rogers old. Yeah. Josh Allen can't win the big games apparently. Josh Allen I mean, can't even get to one. Yeah, Joe Burrow could be the next one. I mean, he's it depends get one on first though. Yeah. yeah, and if they retain the guys too. Right, they're gonna have some money problems, but uh, yeah. So I, I think that. Yeah, no, I think that's um, again not because he shouldn't be there. I think if you were gonna let anyone in after five years, that would be the one to let in. Yeah, uh, but I just think from a pure, just more data standpoint, I think not just yet. But obviously, he's gonna get in. I don't think yeah. that's an issue at all, especially with the start to his career. Um, <laughs> and on the flip side, just not. The greatest news cycle for the Eagles, they lose offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator a matter of hours after the Super Bowl. Um, the defensive coordinator, I don't think, was as much of a heartfelt loss by Eagles fans. Uh, I heard from one Eagles fan after a report surfaced they were trying to retain him, that they are wasting their time and effort, that they need to let him go. Uh, and ultimately, that did happen. Um, so Gannon to the Arizona Cardinals. and then yeah. I didn't Steichen, even know his name. Rich, I want to say, Nick, I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Gannon. Um, uh, one thing on him is his D-line didn't do crap during this game. Zero sacks. Yeah, so that's and more that's of a testament, be, I think, to the Chiefs' O-line, yeah. who played incredibly well. But That was yeah, supposed to be the zero big sacks. calling card for the Eagles, too, is their D-line and offensive line, the way they play. Offensive right. line showed up. D-line did absolutely nothing. Um, so, and then the second, I mean, that exposed the secondary. I saw a clip that said, uh, Debo Samuel said that the uh, there was holes in that defense. Everybody's like, where? Right. Like, Secondary. Yeah. If there's a guy that knows holes in the defense that plays, I'm going to go with Debo too. Right. So, and it showed too late in the game. They were starting to just pick apart their secondary. So probably not the biggest loss, but that's the name of the game these days is how good of a head coach you are is how you can um, reload on your coordinators because each year coordinators are going to get pulled left and right. Right. Uh, a note on Debo Samuel. I will say the entire sour grapes tour by a lot of these 49er players after getting their ass handed to them by 30 points, I think is a little much. I, I get that it's warranted, but it's a, a lot of much. things didn't go your way. But I mean, if they don't call the holding and Hertz goes down and wins the game, we're not talking about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, we're yeah. just not. Yes, the best quarterback in the NFL scored on you. I, I mean, come on. Um, and I get that the Niners, I felt, had the best defense in the NFL healthy. They got off to a slow start. They got absolutely demolished by injuries early on. And uh, I was on that bandwagon pretty early. Obviously, a lot of QB turmoil as well, down to QB3 and Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. And he played his heart out as long as he could, uh, tore his UCL on the first drive of that game, unfortunately. And obviously, just flipped the game on its head. Josh Johnson pressed into duty and, you know, Filled in as well as he could have, but that game was over as soon as Brockway left it. So uh, I think that, you know, I get it. If you're the Niners, you're frustrated. You felt like you were a better team. 
I would almost tend to agree, even with Purdy, the way they were rolling. But obviously, uh, injuries, unfortunately, kind of put that out of question. But to go around to the media and say that, oh, Philly sucks, they're not that good. I, they beat you 38-7. to seven. I, yeah. I, would be, I would be very, Your very Your defense is still one of the top defenses in the, in the nation. Right. <laughs> and you gave up 38. But You didn't lose 13-10. You lost 38-7. Yeah. to seven. So, yeah. talking about holes in defense is looking in the mirror is what I'll say on that. But, uh, you know, the Niners will be right back in contention next year, I have no doubt, with whoever they have a quarterback, to be honest, because that's how good that defense is. Um, but, yeah, interesting note on coordinators, the Bengals – Retain both. I don't know how much interest. I'm sure there was some as good as that team has been the last two years, but they're keeping the head of household on offense and defense there. Zach Taylor, obviously, yeah. not going anywhere as head coach. Uh, it will be up to the front office to maneuver financially to keep this team intact. Uh, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, both coming up for paydays. Jamar Chase a bit later on, uh, just with them being in different drafts. So I think that you yeah, know Burrow's sure, getting right? $50 million. I, Blank check time. Same with I mean, Herbert. I don't want to make it seem like Burrow is like a like what kind of guy he is, but I would take a pay cut to keep two of the best receivers in the league. Like, right, and he he absolutely may. That's something yeah. that Brady did. Uh, it's just it's the exception, not the rule, as we yeah. see in Baltimore, where obviously there's no elite talent around him to take a pay cut for, but he's also not doing it. So, yeah, um, I, I think that. Would it be good to see from Burrow? Absolutely. Should he feel obligated to? Absolutely not. Uh, We saw his rookie season, how quick things can change in football. Um, He missed half of that season with an ACL. So, uh, but thankfully they've improved the O-line that set him up for literal assault every week. Uh, Right. Uh, He was getting teed off on, led the league and sacked, all this horrible metrics type stuff, which they fixed uh, to give them credit. But I think that, Take the money while you can, dude. I mean, this is (laughs) – you're only playing the league so long. Brady is not the career path to strive – I mean, strive for, yes, but playing on, absolutely not. Um, I think, you know, somewhere between luck and Brady would be the sweet spot as far as longevity. Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers has a fine spot that wants him to play for him uh, as he enters the darkness for four days, which – Yeah, I think he's back out of – (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, he's not missing any calls home. I don't think so. There's that, but uh, yeah, it's just interesting. Uh, coaching carousel always spinning, as you alluded to, especially coordinators. But it looks like Eric Bieniemy will once again not receive a head coaching job. Uh, there is also some lateral move interest from several teams, and I mean, obviously, with the success that Chiefs offense has had, uh, you know, best quarterback in the league at the moment leading that offense. And when you look at their roster, the skill talent, I mean, you've got Juju, you've got Hardman, you've got an excellent rookie running back in Pacheco. Clyde Edwards, a hopefully fits somewhere in that team. Another excellent running back. They've got in the backfield. Uh, Kandaris, Tony brought in mid season. We saw him score a touchdown. I don't think they've quite found his ideal role in that offense just yet. But I mean, when you score in the Super Bowl, something's going right. Uh, another guy that scored the Super Bowl, Sky Moore, the rookie receiver, a lot of talent. Going from a smaller college program, not as many eyes on him, but I Where think is that from Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Western, one of them mm. WMUs. Right. So I mean, Western Michigan, not getting a ton of eyes on it, but I mean, obviously, their scouting department between him and Pacheco, I think, has uh, earned their paychecks this year, and um, yeah. it just kind of goes to show. 
mean, this Eagles team won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles at quarterback. So I, I think that front of the yeah, jersey, a lot more. Is... <laughs> huh? That OC that won the Eagles Super Bowl is none other than Frank Wright. He's bringing it to the Panthers, but he's hiring everybody but an OC right now. Yes, uh, Deuce Daly, I think my Deuce favorite Daly. hire so far. Yeah, Deuce Daly, quarterback coach is now Josh McCown. And right. today they hired Jim Caldwell as a special, like a senior assistant. I also like that. So, I think he got a raw deal yeah. in Detroit. So it's like we're hiring everyone. We got our um, D coordinator last week who is going to be one of those coaches that probably will be gone next year getting a head coaching job. Right. I can't, I can't even pronounce his name. I've heard it a thousand times, but I still can't. BK Kwanu. I don't know. I just butcher that. But yeah, y'all know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Everybody by the OC. Uh, we don't know who it is. Um, still plenty of time. Who knows? We could go get somebody from somewhere, pull them off from a team. Um, Even a college coach, as we saw Baltimore do today. Uh, with uh, I don't want to do. I don't want to do Todd that again. Todd Munkin. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been through that. Done there. Yeah. Been there. Done that. Did not work out well. <laughs> uh, I don't think uh, Joe Brady really got a fair chance. One. That's fair too. But not not for a head coach, but. That's yeah. a little Panthers note for you. Still haven't hired an OC. Who knows what we're going to get, what we're going to look at. Right. I think Jim yeah. Bob Cooter, that talk is kind of slowly fading away. but That's true. Um, you never know. But uh, a note on the Ravens hire. You better draft Mark Andrews pretty damn early in fantasy next year. Just what he's been able to do at the collegiate level with tight ends. Uh, yes. Especially two tight end sets. They've got Isaiah Likely, uh, who showed a lot of promise his rookie year in Baltimore. So. Oh, that was a Georgia offensive coordinator. Yeah. Oh, my God. I totally blanked on that. Yeah. Is and Georgia, Georgia will promote Mike Bobo to offensive coordinator. Oh. Yeah. Getting a little cocky there, I think. Oh, but, no. Uh, oh, no. We have seen plenty out of Mike Bobo, and it's just. The three-peat is on life support, I think, is a, is a fair characterization. Was he at South Carolina at one point? Yes. Him and Muschamp. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh no, Georgia! The end of the dynasty might be here. That didn't last long. Well, they could still win every game ten to three, I think, uh, as we saw last time we played them. So, yeah, they're absolutely carousel. Got Monkin. I think it was the most recent development today. Once uh, Philly finalized losing both their coordinators, uh, I will say I am glad that the Colts decided not to give the head coaching job of an NFL team with serious aspirations to win anything to Jeff Saturday, who. Excellent player, great ESPN personality. Um, you know, good story he filled in, in in Indianapolis, but he was terrible. That team was terrible. Um, again, I'll go back yeah. to what I said the last time we brought this up. The fact that Steve Wilkes got laughed out the door and Jeff Saturday got 17 interviews is just a joke. Yeah. I think that that's just unbelievable. Uh, now, Steve Wilkes did land in San Francisco as the defensive coordinator, so I think ultimately – he will be fine. Niners are a great organization. Yeah. And uh, obviously, in my opinion, again, the best defense in the NFL. So no better place for him as far as defensive-minded coaching. But um, just a bit of a gap we've tried to bridge with several rules that don't seem to quite work uh, because that results in Tony Elliott getting interviewed for the Panthers job uh, to check a box. So That happened? Uh, last that? cycle, yeah. That would not have turned out well, seeing how. Well, it I wasn't know, serious yeah. in the first place, so it was disingenuous that it even happened. Yeah. But you know, 
the way they're trying to attack it right now with uh, certain disparities around the league, that's just a, a product of that. So, um, but yes, yeah, so that's just about everything NFL. Uh, I don't even know if we mentioned it. I was so kind of annoyed with it at first. I didn't. Uh, Kellen Moore is now the Chargers offensive coordinator. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I'm told the stats are promising, but it's the damn Cowboys. They don't win anything. Yeah. They have not won anything since Troy Aikman was our age. So uh, I think that's just a note of caution for me. Uh, it's like they weren't a terrible offense, but they were just like. It's I the Cowboys. Had, There's no yeah. other way to say it. It's they had too the many mouths to feed and it, it, yeah. too many dumb people in there, too. Right. I think, you know, maybe he, his voice was not heard loud enough over some of the uh, less effective folks there in Dallas. But I, I think that, you know, I don't know what the future holds for Keenan Allen. There's a lot of cap casualty smoke out there. Hopefully not a month, month, hopefully not much fire. But obviously, uh, I mean, Keenan's been excellent for us since he got drafted out of Cal. And I would really, really, really hate to see him get caught. Um, but I also don't want to be the Saints paying him $50 million. So. Um, I just think that there's a balance there, and hopefully they lean towards keeping him. I think him and Mike Williams, Hale Field on the Field's a top five receiver duo in the NFL, and uh, I would love to add to that via the draft, not replace a portion of that. So um, that's just me being an armchair GM, but um, we'll see. That Herbert clock is ticking very, very loudly, uh, and the that sound you hear is the Brinks truck bracking up to his uh, place of residence, as it should, along with Burrow, like I mentioned earlier, and uh, and Sam Darnold. I was gonna say and Lamar Jackson, <laughs> but he's not getting paid like that. So, uh, yeah, some people think they're gonna get paid like that. I can guarantee you the two that absolutely will, uh, and that is the young guns in Burrow and Herbert. But yeah, so selfish side note, I have nothing but hope. At this point for the Chargers and their offense, which is usually leads me down a path that's very, very dark and sad at the end. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Hopefully we'll score in the second half of the playoff game next year. Other note, I got to think I get on the Panthers. Don't know what we're going to do about quarterback. Um, get if we're going to trade up, get lucky to get. I mean, I got think I've, I've made it pretty clear. I don't want Richardson or Levis. So the only other option is try and trade up for Young or Stroud or just Rolls. Matt Corral, who knows? So probably more to come with that here soon. But other than that, I think that pretty much wraps up this NFL season and the football season in general. Unfortunately, <laughs> we have to wait until September now. Right. Uh, one note on the Panthers quarterback situation. Vegas can be trusted at arm's length, especially in some volatile markets like this. Derek Carr is currently indicated to be a Carolina Panther. If you look at well, those odds. Free agent now. So, they released yes, him, so they released he's him not going to be traded, so that's big. Yeah, as they should have because Derek Carr is not good at football. So um, there's that. My Honestly, I would take him. Over well, you've taken him once right to win the division. so um, I would take him as my quarterback. I don't care. <laughs> who's going to beat the Panthers next year? Andy Dalton? Right, but Andy Dalton's going to be cheaper. You can keep every aspect of that young <laughs> and very exciting defense rather than Derek Carr, who will, you know, Weep Won't on the bad. podium after he loses, you know, four out of five, six out of seven, and does not have Devontae Adams to throw to to bail him out of what was a disaster in Las Vegas this year. Um, if you're looking around at a lot of talent and you're not winning games, you're probably the problem. And uh, I think Derek Carr is safe to say was the problem in Las Vegas. But I mean, if they bring in Jimmy G, 
there's potential there. Jimmy G is very, very well versed in how not to lose games. So I think that could work out well. But uh, Jacoby like a lot of these quarterbacks, uh, Jacoby Brissett's available. Like he's a good he serviceable quarterback. Yeah, I, he'll, he'll, that, he'll, he's good first five games of the year. Was and he, then was he? Was he really? We I were at the point. Distinctly. We were at the point where like we were counting games to see if they were going to make the playoffs. Well, yeah, and then he decided to lose three of the first five games, I think, with a pick inside the last three minutes. So yeah, so, that was short lived. Um, see, that's early in season. That's when you that's when you let your uh, rookie quarterback get nice and and uh, used to the playbook, and then you throw him in about that fifth game of the year, and then bam, playoff run. See, simple math. I'm an NFL yeah. GM. I would recommend Matt Corral because one, he's not 28 years old or however old Brissett is, and two. Um, he has no tape, which is better than Brissett's tape at this point. So uh, trust the kid if you're going to make a move that drastic. I don't think giving Jacoby Brissett $3 million to throw 15 picks and 10 touchdowns is necessarily much better than Darnold, honestly. So, um, But we will uh, keep you guys updated as QB news starts to heat up with the coaching carousel pretty much wrapped up until the Panthers, of course, find an O.C., uh, from the kings of the NFL and the Chiefs to the most beloved beam lighting franchise in all of basketball, like the, the Sacramento beam. Kings. Sack town, uh, suck on our sacks. It is officially NBA All Star <laughs> Week, <laughs> and uh, as you can tell, Bailey's very excited about it. Uh, as the most clutch player in the NBA and a very excellent underrated Kentucky Wildcat alum, De'Aaron Fox, loved, will be. I loved him at Kentucky. Him and Malik Monk were amazing, and they are showing it now. Right. Uh, Fox will be represented in All-Star Weekend. He was named as a replacement after injuries to Steph and Kevin Durant, so he moves up. I think he should have been in, in any First way. Place. But uh, yep. I think that that is... Uh, very good to see this Kings team surprised to all. I won't even say many. I think they still sit in position to host a playoff series if the season concluded today. So, again, one of the great stories of the NBA year so far as we reach not the halfway point in the schedule necessarily game-wise, but um, halfway point the, in the season. Right, mid-season point where we're going to take a week off and uh, get some entertainment out of some individual guys. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, they played – Played the Mavericks past two nights. Uh, that weird schedule that we talked about the other day. Right, uh, that lost back one, to back. Yeah, then won the next one. I think it was the first game that Kyrie and um, it was yeah Luca played together, and won in overtime. Uh, I think that helped with like some tiebreakers going on over there. But they're just hot. They're good. They they're they're well coached team, obviously. Um, I mean, they're right there with the Suns and the Clippers, so it's definitely the surprise of the season. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, coached by Mac Brown, Mike Brown, excuse me, it's um, just really, really fun to see. There's always seems to be the team like this. Uh, Memphis filled this role a couple of years ago, and we see where they're at now. So I think uh, things are looking up for Sacramento. Uh, I think that – do I see them winning two playoff series? I, Maybe yes. not, but uh, that home crowd, especially with where they sit in the standings right now, uh, matched up against the Clippers, who are, again, trying to prove that you can care nothing about the first 82 if you can win the last 16 uh, results to be determined. I'd actually love to see that series, honestly. But, um, you know, 
long way to go. We're approaching 60 games in, so um, obviously not a clean break in the schedule, but uh, this is the, you know, every sport's got it, the mid-season-ish week where we kind of step back, give guys a couple days off, and uh, get some entertainment. Um, one of those things that they do is the three-point contest, and uh, it's not often I say this because – this team historically is atrocious at three-point shooting, but uh, Isaiah Joe, the NBA's leading three-point shooter by percentage and member of my Oklahoma City Thunder, is not in the three-point contest, and he is one of 10 top 10 shooters in the league percentage-wise that is not in the three-point contest. It's a name and game. I do not understand why this is true. Contagious Caldwell Pope, another big snub for the Nuggets, the 40-win Denver Nuggets, I might add. Uh, there's two Blazers in there. There's uh, two Pelicans. I don't know. This is very, very, very poorly done. I think that I get if you don't want to throw a Thunder guy in there because, you know, the massive ratings the three-point contest brings in. <laughs> and I love Jason Tatum, but he's shooting like 35% this year. So I, I think if you're going to want to put a big name in there to boost ratings, Make it somebody who can shoot threes. Uh, I I don't get it. It's a very minor gripe because obviously, you know, four thousand people watch this. Um, I will not I be watching it because I was Isaiah Joe's not in it. So I can't tell you the last time I watched a three point contest. Honestly, <laughs> I tuned in for the finals last year when I got word that Carl Anthony Towns had advanced to that point. And he actually won yeah. the competition. So um, again, that's NBA trivia. Two out of ten people in the street would get maybe less, but. Um, you know, it's entertaining. The guys that get hot, you'll see clips on Twitter, things like that, um, which is, I think, how a lot of NBA is consumed, for better or for worse. But I think that it's a great opportunity to let some guys not quite as big a names make a name for themselves, kind of get on people's radars. Uh, you know, the Thunder have been on TV twice this season, and that number not likely to increase. So it would have been nice to see Joe uh, – get a chance to light it up in front of the big all-star crowd. But unfortunately, reportedly, I don't think it's been officially named by the league yet, but uh, Shams and Woj usually on top of this kind of thing. Um, but speaking of Isaiah Joe missing a three, Bailey, yeah, do you have any uh, recent gripe with that? I was about to say, if he would have made a three-point shot the other night. Last night. Yeah, I, yeah, last night. If he would have made a three-point shot to tie the game to send into overtime against the Pelicans, I mean, he could have gone, you know, quick little replacement. Oh, this guy can make threes. No, he missed a shot and missed me out on about $400, bucks. Um, Had another parlay. Had the Nuggets money line, which was even. Had the Magic money line, which I finally bit the bullet and bet them instead of them tearing me up the past couple weeks. Uh, had the Knicks covering. Had the Warriors covering. Had the Thunder covering. And at some point, it was not looking great at all. Down by 20. Cut it to 10 at halftime. Had the lead at one point. And then just more dumb shots like what happened with me and the Phillies. Or the Phillies. The 76ers and the Nets the other, the other week. But, yeah, the, we can go ahead and add the Thunder to my hate list right now. <laughs> and that's uh, unfortunately warranted. I will say, historically, the Pelicans, a team we have a lot of problems with. We've already dropped two one-possession games to them this year. Last night was a third. Uh, just uh, even zooming out further than that, there was a season where Durant had a foot injury, Russ was hurt, and uh, we ended up losing out on an eight seed in the playoffs because a midseason matchup, Anthony Davis 
then a Pelican hit some ridiculous top of the court bank three to beat us at the buzzer. And that shot proved to be the tiebreaker that kept us out of the playoffs. So the Pelicans have long been a very strange thorn in the side of my thunder, regardless of who's on the team. Uh, so unfortunately, that trend continued last night, and we're now 0-3 against them on the season. All by, I believe, from memory, one possession, unfortunately. So um, that continued, and uh, Bailey is not happy and deservedly so. So yeah. on behalf of Isaiah Joe, I, uh, I apologize for that. And he, he, he kept them in the game, too. Um, right, they cut also, it to one, and they just couldn't get over the hump. And uh, Shea rolled his ankle on a guy coming down to drive, driving in the lane, so like, there's nothing you can do about that. Like he didn't trip or anything. Right. He just stepped on the guy's foot and rolled his ankle. So that should have been a jump ball. I haven't looked at the last two minute report. I honestly, with those kind of things, I'd rather not know. Cause the NBA is saying the next day they screwed the call up, does nothing. It changes nothing. Uh, yeah. So to see it in writing, they screwed it up. That just doesn't help me at all. But, um, Youngest team in the NBA, it's going to happen. Uh, just weird that it's always the Pelicans that we seem to drop these games against. But, um, you know, we got the Rockets up next. They're the worst team in the league. So hopefully we beat them by 50 again. On to the next parlay tonight. So we're going to win one of these at one point. Yeah, Bailey is what you would describe as due. Although you did hit one Sunday. That was pretty good. Yeah. Not fully so, because we had a push, but hey, not a loss. That's right. Exactly. Profit is profit. Um Boston currently up on the Bucks as nine and a half point underdogs. I think Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart ruled out. I think Tatum might be in COVID protocol, which I was made aware of today still existed. So, oh, um, and guess uh, who bet the Celtics plus nine? Good call. It would appear through yeah. 15 minutes, but um, yeah, that's been about it for NBA. Um, I hope Isaiah Joe makes a three point contest. The NBA is pretty tapped into Twitter, and Twitter was not happy at all today with the rumored participants in this contest. So maybe some change there. I kind of doubt it. But, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see on that. But, um, yeah, that's bad for the NBA. Bailey's Kings still rolling. My Thunder. That's the other thing. Every time we have a chance to get to 500, we lose the game. It doesn't matter who it's against, what mm-hmm. we're doing. Um, so we now sit at 27 and 29 but only a half game out of the play-in. So still flirting with some postseason action, but uh, time will tell, I think. But ultimately, Shagels Alexander is going to play in an all-star game. Should be starting, but uh, I'll take Giddy's what I get. the rising star, isn't he? Yeah, Giddy and uh, number 12 overall pick from this past draft, Jalen Williams will join him in the rising stars game, which will be probably what I've watched the most of because those kids actually care. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do get some kind of BS from them. Like, there was a year that Trey Young and somebody else were shooting 60-footers. But, uh, right. So, I think there's uh, entertainment to be had there. I don't know if they use the Elam ending or not, but um, I'll be tuned in for the Thunder guys, at least passively. So, uh, that'll be fun this weekend. Uh, Speaking of things getting started, though, some Clemson sports getting started, Bailey. Yeah, women's lacrosse. Beat Wofford twenty-one to two, yeah, I think, which makes me like wonder if, one. right, if me and you could find six people and go play Wofford, I don't know. Uh, but as softball has shown for several years now, uh, there's just something about Clemson programs and uh, getting started. They tend to start off well, so obviously 
really cool to see another sport really start. I don't think we've ever had a lacrosse program at Mm-mm. the uh, collegiate level past club. Uh, I was fortunate enough to know some guys in the club team when we were there. Um, really nice guys, a lot yeah. of talent there, just not supported fully as a varsity sport. But um, women's lacrosse is, and they destroyed Wofford in their opening game. So hopefully a sign of things to come for them in their first season. Uh, Clemson softball, consensus One top tonight. eight team yeah. in the country. A new high for a very young program. It's shown a lot of promise behind, of course, Valerie Cagle, who is the Shohei Otani of college softball. Uh, dominates on the pitcher's mound. I guess it's the bump. I don't know. There's uh, a type circle. Term. Circle. The circle, yes. Dominates from the circle and, of course, behind the plate. Helps her own cause a good bit as well. Uh, They're often rolling offensively. Some non-conference teams getting absolutely murdered, as expected, with this Let's team. See. Their scores went 10-1-5 against FIU on Thursday. Friday, 11-2 against Georgia State. 8-1 against Kansas City on Saturday. Who knew Kansas City had a softball or had a school? Also on Saturday, 11-3 against that same Georgia State team in six innings. And then Sunday, 4-0 against FIU. And as of tonight, they beat Furman 10-0 in Greenville. So they're still hot. They're about to have the ACC Big Ten Challenge get underway this weekend to open up the home schedule. Uh, They got Northwestern and Ohio State coming in for the weekend. So definitely teams to keep your eye on. I know conference play will pick up soon, um, but... They're they're just a good good team. Yeah, handling the non-conference openers pretty easily as expected, but it did earn them the bump in several polls, just like college baseball. Not really a consensus one like we see at the AP poll in college basketball and football. There's kind of a mix of opinion, but they all have Clemson, like I said, in the top ten, if not the top eight, which is uh, like I said, new territory for the program, but certainly something I expect to continue trajectory-wise as this team sets its eyes on. Oklahoma City, honestly, and uh, the College World Series in softball. And I think it would be – I'd be interested to hear if, you know, the youngest program to advance to that point in the postseason. Uh, I think that it, there can't be many more programs younger at Clemson that – I mean, they haven't done it yet, but certainly it's on the table they keep playing like this as the competition increases. But uh, I think they'll be just fine. And, uh, yeah, no pressure on uh, Backage and the softball, uh, excuse me, the baseball team as they get started this week with some non-conference. I think Binghamton is the first matchup we've yeah. got this year for them. I, I tried to pronounce it the other day and absolutely was butchering it. But uh, overall, I mean, I don't uh, – D1 baseball sent out their uh, projected um, 64 for the tournament. Spoiler, Clemson's not in it. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised. By that. Yeah. yeah, baseball is like you're you're, you're going to project it, but they're. Ne- I mean, it's never going to be correct. Like yeah. not even one weekend series can also correct. change that. So uh, I think yeah. that you know a sign that we're going to have to earn a lot of the respect lost with recent performance. And I think that uh, Backich is the right man for that job as they get underway in his first season and hopefully the first season of excitement in Clemson outside of the rivalry series that we tend to dominate. Um, They are, but South Carolina is preseason ranked for even better. Let's see. Let's go through because ACC and SEC just dominate 
college baseball. Right. Um, and like we, we here the rankings are, let's see, LSU, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Oh, I need to recount. LSU, Tennessee, Ole Miss, there's three. Four is Texas A&M. Five, Florida. Six, Arkansas. Seven, Vandy. Uh, eight, Alabama. Nine, South Carolina. ACC's got one, Miami. Two, NC State. Three, Virginia. Four, Louisville. Five, Virginia Tech. Six, North Carolina. Seven, Wake Forest. So, like, it's heavily dominated by the South. Right. Um, and the Wake, Wake Forest is the ACC's highest team <laughs> at six. So, And this is all according to D1 baseball. But it's going to be fun to watch some of the baseball being played around the uh, around the area. And especially if Clemson's able to, you know, shock some teams. Um, and back its first year, uh, I think we said it the other day, don't do too much this year. If it's if you make a regional, fantastic. Just do better. I mean, just do better than the past couple of years. So. Right, I think correcting the general direction of the program is step one and one that should not be overlooked. This team will not be in Omaha, I think it's safe to say, this year. But if we can reset expectations from making the ACC tournament to making the postseason at all, uh, especially past the ACC part of things, uh, I think that that's going to be a good thing for the program as a whole. And like I mentioned, new leadership. Uh, Monty Lee took his talents to Columbia, so... Uh, good luck with that, I guess. And uh, that will make the series in March much, much more interesting, I think. And uh, should be competitive as usual. And uh, hopefully Package can at least win the state in his first year, if nothing else, because that goes a very long way, no matter what sport it is. He hasn't... Um, I don't think he's released uh, weekend starters. I don't think we, we know that I as not seen yet. It. So that's also something to keep your eye on. Um, I think there's, I think I was reading something where there's a six guys that are in contention for a starting spot on the pitching staff. So that's a good problem to have. I think. He's got the arms. Um, right. It's just, are they going to be consistent? Because last year they were very up and down. But we got a stud. Right. I mean, Cooper Ingle's going to be a stud. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's several names that. I think it's very fair to expect uh, Brian a lot Amons of production. Back. Yeah. Jackson Lindley pitched a good bit last year. Um, Caden Grice is also going to be back on the bump a little bit, I believe. Um, so, yeah, there's – I mean, there's – Nick Clayton's back. That's kind of big. He yeah. showed off a good bit last year. So, it's going to be interesting to see who he, he's going to roll out there for the first week of the season. Yeah, uh, I suspect the first weekend series rotation we see will not be the same. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to plug and play a little bit, get that rotation figured out in the bullpen too. It's kind of how that pecking order will look going into conference play, which as we mentioned, ACC loaded once again. And uh, there's going to be an ACC weekend series to watch. It feels like every weekend of the season with just how much talent there is, especially when you look at uh, rankings. Let's see. Got anything else you need to cover? Uh, uh, yeah, last and certainly least, Brad Brownell <laughs> is back. Uh, yeah. Basketball is yeah. back on the bubble. They have played their way to, I think, a little bit of a quick discussion on their 
uh, resume as far as the NCAA tournament. I think they're in. I've seen a lot of people dropping them to the bubble, um, that 11 seed line somewhere in there. I think it's a little premature, but I, you know, what have you done for me lately? Absolutely. Yeah. This team has done nothing lately. Uh, they went up to Chapel Hill most recently after a week off and got embarrassed by. It doesn't help when a team hits 15 threes. <laughs> I don't care. They were so yeah. wide open they could hit 30. And, of course, last night, North Carolina shoots like five for 30 yeah. in a loss. So, uh, you know, Miami, I would say that's a good loss. They actually beat North Carolina last night relatively convincingly. They ripped off five in a row. Uh, we have relinquished our lead in the ACC, a byproduct still, of three straight losses. Still a game back. So, I mean, it's tight up there. And we still got to play sure. Virginia, yeah. too. Right. There are six teams within three games – or, excuse me – Within less than three games, uh, there's two more three backs. I and mean, this is a very up in the air conference. Looks like most teams are 14 games into a 20 game slate. So, kind of running out of time, to be honest, to make up games. Uh, but I think that, you know, the head to head matchup against Virginia is looming very, very large as there is only one. So, that's going to be huge in the very likely event. We have some teams tied at the top after 20 conference games. But, we got I, some I mean, must wins. Like this just, week, if we go yeah. Florida State, if we lose either one of those, yeah, I want to see so. cardboard boxes. I, I do because ten and one is nice, but do we really want to be the Arizona Cardinals of college basketball and yeah. you know impress in the early months and then when you really have to batten down and win these conference games, you you can't do it and you play your way out of you know a top seed <laughs> in the conference tournament as well as any seeding, if not favorable seeding in the NCAA tournament. So. Did you see what Dickie V released last week? No. Uh, he released his Coaches of the Year candidates. And this was February February 8th, mind you. Yeah. Take a guess which one of them was. Brad Brownell. Yep, and then take a guess which is another one that it was. Who's had, who, a team that's had a bad week. Mexico State. <laughs> Oh, oh. No, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that's a uh, Rick Barnes. <laughs> oh, Rick, Rick, Rick. Yeah. Uh, so there's a Dickie V bump there. So <laughs> Dick bump. Mm. Of teams in orange and and losing and showing their true selves. Uh, Jacob not here. Not that he would defend them because they're losing games now, but. Tennessee basketball, Rick Barnes, the book has been written on him. He failed to win a championship with Kevin Durant on his team at Texas. Uh, still has not reached a Final Four, even though he is 112 years old and has coached college basketball for 40-something years probably. Coached at Clemson, mind you. Right, and, you know, we lack a rich history as a program, so I'll give him a pass on not reaching a Final Four in Tigertown. But, I, I mean, are we going to pretend – that this Tennessee team is still, I won't say, they're not the favorites, obviously, but are they really a contender this year, honestly? I don't if know you can't win home year, conference like... games in which you lay 12 and a half points? Yeah. I mean, really? I, this is not, and it's weird because they'll beat, they beat Texas, I think. And I was like, okay, turning point. That was the Rick Barnes game to have. And they dropped two in a week at the buzzer, I believe, in both cases, which is hilarious. But uh, I think that... You know, my knowledge on the NCAA as a whole, basketball-wise, is 
not yeah. nearly as much as football. But I was really confused. I was looking on ESPN the standings in the SEC, and I saw Georgia at number one. I said, "What the hell?" I was on not football. So. <laughs> I, I just think it's uh, Alabama reached number one yeah. in the AP poll for the first time in I think over a decade. Uh, they are undefeated in conference play, twelve and zero, and they sit two games ahead of Texas A&M. It's a very underrated team. Buzz Williams yeah. coaching. Um, seeing some results in the regular season, unlike across the street in the football part of things, athletically for Texas A&M. And then Tennessee is four back of Bama, two back of A&M, eight and four. Uh, like I mentioned, they've dropped back-to-back games. But, uh, yeah, yikes. Someone told Rick Barnes we could get it was March because this is what Rick Barnes does in March. He loses every year. Uh, he lost his sister, Jean, last year. Like, Oregon State beat them by 20 points. I don't know if it was last year or not. Uh, it all runs together because it happens yeah. every single year. If it's the second weekend, you can know because you turn on your TV and you don't see Tennessee, it's been at least a weekend in the NCAA tournament because a lot of times he's not there. Uh, his reputation, I don't know where it comes from. I, you know, Is he the best coach to not make a Final Four? I have no idea because those things aren't on a lot of minds because they don't matter. Yeah. Because the true legends, as far as coaching, they win. And you can be cranky like Jim Beheim. He's won. We just Coach K, Roy Williams, both exiting the game in recent years, they won a bunch. And so I think if Rick Barnes wants his name in the same paragraph as any of them. Got to win one. <laughs> you got to win something. Yeah. And I realized that at a program like Tennessee, there's not a super rich blue blood history. Like they pretend they have in a football program. But I think that there's just something to be said that we hear the same tired narrative every year. I think they won the SEC last year. So they've got a real banner next to the regular season championships, which of course no one cares about. But uh, I think that. Unless you're Clemson. I, I still don't care about them. I would. Uh, I, would 100%. I think it's an embarrassment to race. Or Big Cat in Wisconsin. Well, that's that's just different. The Big Ten, <laughs> uh, you know, we know who runs that conference, and Frank Kaminsky is long gone. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, could Tennessee reach a Final Four this year? Yes. Do I think they will? Absolutely not, because history tells us a lot, and history tells us that uh, no Rick Barnes coach team has ever been there. And I don't think that, you know, a team led by, like, Viscovi, a wannabe Luka Doncic, who has all the flops and not a whole lot of the scoring prowess compared to the Serbian legend, I, I think it's a little bit like we've seen from the baseball coach and even the football team, uh, a lot of theatrics. And then when the spotlight turns on, they shrink and they lose. And all of a sudden it's, oh, you can't have fun in college sports anymore. Uh, no, you have fun when you win. Not get yeah. swept in a super regional, uh, you know, not lose to Georgia by 20 and pretend you're the best team and you're even in division of your conference. Um, and you can beat a true freshman quarterback in an Orange Bowl and pretend like you're God's gift to college football. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, you know, let's pump the brakes a bit. But obviously no one in Knoxville or uh, Vol Twitter wants to hear that. So, uh, you know, if you need a reality check, there it is. Because, uh, you know, Class house. Clemson ain't going there either. We might not even go to the tournament at this point, as Brad Donnell. Speaking of revealing true colors, uh, I still maintain should be fired. I don't care if we hire Rick Patino and every win we get for five years is vacated. It'd be fun. Um, they've still got a championship banner from when he was there. And it's not going yeah. anywhere. And we've got nothing. So um, 
you know, was it really fun to watch for two months? Sure. Am I surprised by this as we enter the stretch run? Nope. No. Uh, I would love to watch us in the NCAA tournament. I just maybe harshly realistic about our chances, especially uh, given three straight conference losses. But uh, this week, as we mentioned, must wins Louisville, which is just a disgrace to Division One basketball, let alone Power Five or Six. If you want to throw the Western Conference in there, but uh, Florida State has fallen a long, long way uh, with Leonard Hamilton at the helm, and that's a team obviously. They're always going to have a lot of length, a lot of size. It's going to be a problem for Clemson when uh, we've been getting smoked on the offensive glass all season. Uh, you know, Baycott in his seventh year at North Carolina just kind of proved that issue once again. And unfortunately, after a week off and get dominated on the glass by Miami, similar story against North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, I don't know what second chance points was. I guarantee you we didn't win that particular stat because uh, they were running threes down two and three times of possession, and we were lucky to get one quality shot off, if any. But, um, yeah. you know, like I said, it'd be nice to turn things around, but I think the week off heading into a place we've only won once in program history was a great place to do it. And, uh, unfortunately, we were 20 points short of accomplishing that. We were there. So. At one point, Baycott... Um, Caleb Baycott's Love, Mickey Black. Uh, one, Baycott is a... I hate him. He's a little shit out there. Um, good player. He slapped I, the ball out of PJ Hall's hands at one point, uh, which is bold. I realized that he's got another yield of eligibility, as I was unfortunately informed of by a North Carolina fan over the weekend. But, uh, you know, following that, he's going to take his talents professionally yeah. into, like, Kazakhstan. So I guess he's going to have to get this uh, showboating out of the way now. Uh, and he's before. out there throwing elbows and stuff. Like, I mean – if you're at Duke and at North Carolina, you're not going to get those calls. I mean, we've seen it for years, but right. there were some of those like he, he was just they were just getting away with a lot. What I was trying to say was, uh, at one point we had like 50 something points, and then a combination of R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, and Baycott had over 58 points or something like that. So they had more points. Right. Than us, but yeah, I don't know. The, I mean, the, he's he, double yeah. double good rebounder, but he gets away with a lot of a lot of a lot of flailing elbows. Yeah, and I think his professional career will resemble that of Tyler Hansbro, uh, although he will not be drafted that high. So, uh, you know, great college player, see all the time. Uh, I still will never forget the fact that Frank Mason won a wooden award and almost didn't get drafted uh, out of Kansas. That just kind of sticks in my head. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm sure he'll be, he'll be back for year eight, Stetson Bennett style, next year. Because, like I said, there is not – a lot of money waiting on him after UNC and when in the NIL era, they are more than happy to uh, have him around as they somehow find him entertaining, which I'm sure he is when you're rooting for his team and not on the other side. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Teddy Valentine had a Teddy Valentine game. God, that wasn't why we lost. Uh, I didn't realize it was 20. TV Teddy until late. I was texting uh, oh, yeah. messaging in my group chat on Twitter and one of them, Cam at Chatting Average, who's their UNC guys. He's like, yeah, it's TV game Teddy. I said, crap. I mean, it affects both sides, too. He's just one right. of the worst refs of all time. Just does not help. And it's more frustrating when you're down 20 for the entire game or yep. half the game. But, um, yeah. It doesn't so help our... when PJ gets in foul trouble early in the game, too. So, 
Right, I'll give him credit. He was still taking charges with three fouls, so yeah. that was good to see, at least for me. They were getting visibly standpoint. frustrated too. Right, because I think as the league grows and the you know Teddy gets on TV, I, I think that that lends to a lot of frustration, rightfully so. But uh, yeah, we got to win these next two, and uh, hopefully next week we're not ranting about Brownell and Clemson. Other than that, I don't have too much more. Yeah, that should about do it. Um, I don't know which of my three co-hosts will be allowed by their significant others to be here next week, but I at least will be. And whether it's one of these three guys or Chat GPT, I will find a way to have another voice on the podcast, and uh, we will. I'll be I'll be back Monday, and I'll be back at least with me next week to keep you guys up to date on any big news in sports over this past week. It will not include football, unfortunately. Uh, the XFL has been resurrected by The Rock, but uh, Jerry's still out on that product. But it's football, and it'll be on TV, I think. So uh, we will find a way to shoehorn it in to Clemson oh. everything and uh, the NBA. Uh, our quick golf segment, Scotty Scheffler won the Waste Management Electric Tournament as usual. Uh, Tiger Woods announced that he is coming back for his first competitive PGA Tour event since uh, the Open of last year. Announced that Friday during the tournament. So I put a blog out on that. Uh, I I still got to write the blog for the waste management wrap-up, which I might do sitting at the airport tomorrow. But, yeah, Scotty Scheffler, that's his back-to-back wins there. So took over the world number one over John Rahm, which I still think John Rahm's the best golfer on the planet right now. But different story. So they are out in Los Angeles this week at Tiger Woods' tournament, so fitting he plays. There you go. Yeah, uh, Tiger, I believe, a 15-to-1-ish odds on participant in that tournament. I think a lot of sportsbook are, are going to be praying he does not win because I could see a lot of money yeah. on Tiger. Uh, but, yeah, so Bailey heading out to Hawaii to get laid, but uh, yeah. we'll be back next week. <laughs> Playing some golf. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, – Everything that we think's worth it. Um, yeah. Dead. Trying, dead. It's our dead point of the season, of the podcast season. Right. Uh, no MLB, no football, but we will find a way to fill the void. Plenty going on collegiately as the uh, spring sports, spring sports start kicking into gear, and of course basketball really heats up as the Tigers shrink, unfortunately. And uh, of course, even with the weekend off, there's plenty of NBA stuff to talk about with Bailey's Kings, especially. So. Uh, Anything else? That's it from me. All right. So we, as always, on Apple and Spotify, like you're listening to us now, we're also on YouTube, the 109 Podcast there, if you want to watch us for whatever reason. And, of course, if you want the links and anything else we do, blog links, general reactions, things like that, uh, we're on Twitter at the 109 as well. Deuces. Subscribe.